teaching through the Psalms, we're in the 85th one, Psalm 85. This is a revival psalm, actually. And the first several verses show us past blessings that are enjoyed. What God has done. Look in verse 1. We take it verse by verse. It says, Lord, thou hast been favorable unto thy land. Thou hast brought back the captivity of Jacob. We find that God shows divine favor to the land. And that means the land of his inheritance, the inheritance he gave to his people of old. You can read the record of it in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 7 through 10, where he promised he would bring them into a good land, uh, a land of brooks and waters, of fountains and depths that spring out of the valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley. I preached on this a Sunday or two ago. Uh, and vines and fig trees and pomegranates and oil, olive and honey. A land wherein thou shalt eat bread without scarceness. Thou shalt not lack anything in it. A land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills thou mayest dig brass. And so God had given them a good land and He gave them a goodly inheritance. And you and I have a goodly inheritance in Christ. And a spiritual inheritance. The Bible says... Um, in the book of Ephesians 1, verse 11, in whom, that is in Christ, also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of Him who worketh all things after the counsel of His own will. So we have obtained an inheritance. And it tells us that uh, in the second chapter of the book of Ephesians that uh, in whom you also trust, well, in the first chapter and the second chapter, we have two references to inheritance, but in the first chapter, uh, it says, in whom you also trusted, after that you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that you believed, now listen carefully, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance, the earnest, the guarantee of it, the promise of it, the assurance of it, until the redemption of the purchased possession, unto the praise of His glory. And so God has given us the guarantee of that inheritance in the future. But already in Ephesians chapter 2, He has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ. So we have an inheritance now and we have one hereafter. The believer already has been raised up and made to what? He hath, that's past tense, raised us up together and made us sit together already in heavenly places in the spiritual realm in Christ Jesus. So we're already enjoying our inheritance. But we have a future one laid up. Isn't it good to have one now and have one hereafter? You know, a lot of people never enjoy, enjoy an inheritance until all their parents, all the family dies, and then they have an inheritance, and then they think, well, mother and dad or aunt and uncle, they wouldn't have us to use it this way. And every time you use a little bit of it, you get a little bit reluctant. You say, well, my, you know, that's money they earn hard. And, you know, and then it has its, you know, every barrel of apples has a worm in it. You ever thought of that? Or there's a rotten one. Just don't always think that just because you've got a lot of stuff or a lot of money or something coming in that's going to be the answer to your happiness. You better enjoy life now and take it a day at a time, as Brother Ron sang the other day, uh, and enjoy every day. Every day when you're working, every day when you're playing, every day when you're, when you, when, whatever you're doing, going about the ordinary things of life. That's the day you enjoy. This is the day the Lord has made. Help us. We need to rejoice and be glad in it. So God has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Okay, look at the last part of verse 1. Thou hast brought back the captivity of Jacob. Deliverance from captivity. 
What about our deliverance? He brought back the captivity of Jacob, but what about or Israel? Jacob, the old name, his first name, and then Israel, his uh, spiritual name. But uh, what about our uh, captivity? We've been delivered from captivity too. The Bible tells us that He hath delivered us from so great a death, in whom we trust that He will, and He doth deliver us, and in, in, in whom we trust He will yet deliver us. So you have past, present, and future. Second Corinthians one ten. He hath delivered us from so great death, and He doth deliver us. That's present, in whom we trust that He will yet deliver us. Do you believe God is the deliverer? He is. He has and He is and He will. And so we can look forward to that. And then look in verse 2. It says, Thou hast forgiven the iniquity of thy people. Look at that word forgiven. Divine forgiveness. Thou hast forgiven the iniquity of thy people. What is it to have sins forgiven? And how is it that we have sins forgiven? The Bible says, In whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins... Through Christ's redemption, through His blood, we have what? With it, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. That's Ephesians 1.7, Colossians 1.14, a kindred passage says, In whom we have redemption, through His blood, even the forgiveness of sins. See, Paul expresses it one way to the Ephesians, another way to the Colossians. And so, we have redemption through His blood. We have forgiveness of sins. We have provision for our daily forgiveness. The Bible says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. So the Bible teaches us that this forgiveness is a great privilege and blessing that God has bestowed upon us. A great boon of blessings. And then notice the last part of that verse. That thou hast covered all their sin. Look at covered. Sin is atoned for. Uh, covering means to atone, or atonement means a covering. We say atonement or at one with God. We're at one with God. He's covered our sin so we can be at one with God. Uh, the word atonement has to do with covering of our sins. And so. Our sin has been atoned for. For Christ has also once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that He might bring us to God. Being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. First Peter 3, verse 18. And look in verse 3. Thou hast taken away all thy wrath. God's wrath is removed. God's wrath is removed. The Bible says, Therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. The unbeliever, the wrath of God abideth on him, the Bible says. He that believeth not is what? Condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. That's John 3.18, the last one, John 3.36, the wrath of God. He that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. But here, the believer, therefore being justified by faith, Romans 5 verse 1. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Look, it says, Thou hast taken away all thy wrath. How has He taken away His wrath that rests upon sinful men? Because they believed on Christ, and Christ has suffered the wrath and judgment of God, and therefore it's removed from us. Christ took it and took it away from us. What a Savior we have that would take the wrath and judgment of God and the penalty of our sins and then free us from all of it. 
Thou hast taken away all thy wrath. Look, in the last part of verse 3, Thou hast turned thyself from the fierceness of thine anger. His, even his fierce wrath is removed. What about his fierce wrath? Remember Paul says in the book of Hebrews that our God is a consuming fire. His fierce wrath is removed from us. Not only his wrath, but that fierce wrath that brings fiery judgment. A great blessing, isn't it? Now then, pick up with verse 4. Turn us, O God, of our salvation, and cause thine anger toward us to cease. Here's a revival prayer. Turn us. Repentance is sought. Turn us. And by the way, when repentance is sought, you do the turning after God turns you. God does the turning, and then you have to turn as well. Remember the Thessalonians, when they heard the message, uh, Paul says concerning them, how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God. The psalmist says, turn us. So we need divine conviction to turn us, and then we turn as a result. You see? When God convicts us, He's doing the turning. He convicts us of our sins. But then He expects us to respond. And the psalmist says, turn us. And then Paul said to the Thessalonians, how you turn, how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and the true God. Repentance is a change, isn't it? Change of mind and heart and direction and everything about you, you and your life. People say they've, they've repented. If you've repented, you've turned to God. And you've turned from something. That's First Thessalonians, I believe, chapter 1, verse 9. So, you don't just turn to something, you turn from something. You turn to God, but from your sin. They turn to God from their idols. So it says, Turn us, O God, of our salvation, and cause thine anger uh, toward us to cease. Uh, God's mercy is desired in this, in this uh, verse. Thine anger toward us to cease. They wanted mercy. The psalmist wanted mercy. People of God need mercy. The Bible speaks of God giving His mercy. It says, Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And then God will extend His mercy to us. And then look at verse 5. It says, Wilt thou be angry with us forever? Here's a question that's asked concerning His anger. Wilt thou draw out thine anger to all generations? You know what the answer is to that? Look in Jeremiah chapter 3 if you... Uh, will and verse uh, Jeremiah chapter 3 <clears throat> and verse 12 it says go and proclaim these words toward the north and say return thou back backsliding Israel saith the Lord and I will not cause mine anger to fall upon you when is his anger going to cease return thou backsliding Israel saith the Lord and I will not cause mine anger to fall upon you for I am merciful saith the Lord and I will not keep anger forever. God says He will not keep it forever. The psalmist says, will you keep it forever? Look at that. Verse 5, in our text, hold your place where we're studying. It says, wilt thou be angry with us forever? And God says in Jeremiah, no, if you will turn, if you will return, I'll have mercy and I will not uh, be angry forever. I will not keep my anger forever. So if we wonder why God is angry, it's because of our sins. But if we turn, He will pull away His anger. Psalm 103. Psalm 103 is a good psalm for this particular thought. 103, and let me read it for you. Verses 8 and 9. 
The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and plenteous in mercy. He will not always chide. Now look, neither will he keep his anger forever. He hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. That's what, what Brother Nichols and I were talking about earlier. God didn't give us what we deserve. He has not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. But he's dealt with us in mercy. Look at back in our psalm, verse 6. Psalm 85, verse 6. Wilt thou not revive us again, that thy people may rejoice in thee? Look at that. The request for revival. In Habakkuk 3, verse 2, it says, Revive thy work in the midst of you. God's work needs to be revived. We need to be revived. Ephesians 5, 14 says, Awake thou that sleepest and arise from the dead. Revive. Genesis 45, verse 27, it says, The spirit of Jacob, their father, was revived or revived. When? Remember, old Jacob, he thought Joseph was forever gone. He thought that he had run up against this famine. Nothing was going to turn out good. He says, Joseph is not, Simeon is not, and you will take Benjamin away. And then Joseph promised to send the wagons after him, and he did send the wagons, and he sent for provisions. And when it says, when jo- jo- uh, Jacob saw the wagon, he really believed that Joseph was alive. And he saw all this coming, and says, the spirit of their father Jacob revived, was made alive again. What revives your spirit? Good news does, doesn't it? We've got a lot of good news. You know, we talk about bad news. The Bible says, Let us do all things without murmuring and complaining in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. So let's learn not to murmur and complain. Let's learn to take take it a day at a time and thank God for that. And if we have problems, deal with them. Deal with them and thank God that we have the ability to deal with them. He gives us the knowledge and the power. and and, (laughs) I hope I don't get sidetracked and chase a rabbit right now, but I probably am going to. Fella called me earlier today. He's staying down here at the uh, this new name inn across from the budget inn. What is the name of it? That other one close to Days Inn. They named it again. Anyway, he's staying there. Said he had a place there and tell me his story. He says, "You know where I can get some food?" I says, "Yeah, we have a food bank up there. To the Catholic Church has it now. We contribute to it, and uh, so." Uh, you know, and, and other individuals do as well as churches. So anyway, I told him to go up here to the Catholic Church. You know, that's from here to Walmart and down there. And he says, but I don't have any transportation. I says, well, it's just up there a little ways. He says, you mean it's that far? You know, I mean, he talked like, man, I've walked a lot further than that for food. I'd walk from, I'd walk from Rio Dosa to, uh, to Rio Dosa Downs for food when I was a little boy. I'm glad to get some of it. And I'm telling you a story of, of a time that my, my family didn't have anything and my grandparents were on what they used to call relief or a pension or something. They got some commodities from the government some way or another. And we were about to starve to death and Dad and I in the middle of the night got up one night about, well, we didn't get up. We hadn't gone to bed. But we, it was a way night. We got together and he and I walked down through here. This was a cow pasture. We crawled through a fence down here by the Hollywood Y, an old barbed wire fence, and I like to snag my clothes and, and myself, but we crawled through the fence, walked on down Red Oaks of Downs. My folks lived up there where Central Street is now, close to where, you know where Herds lived, right on the corner of this side of it. 
So we walked up there, and Granddad and Grandmother gave us a little bit of food, a flour, a meal, or something, and what she, they shared their groceries with us. And we went back home, and we had supper about 10, 11 o'clock that night. Boy, we was grateful to get something to eat. And the guy couldn't walk up here for something free. You know, I mean, I don't have any transportation. I thought, well, do you have two legs? You know, that's transportation, isn't it? Boy, these people make me sick. I'll tell you. Because they don't have any ingenuity or any uh, get up and go or any desire to provide for themselves. Here I am. Please help me. Well, I'll help you if you'll help you too. You know, I'll help you all day if you'll help you. You know, if you want to work, if you want to do something. By the way, if I was that down and out, I couldn't rent a motel like that. <laughs> kind of like the other day, there's a guy over at the hospital called, uh, Vicky called me, you know, and uh, I was real busy, so Michael went over. got Michael to go over. Michael went over there, and all he had is a $100 bill, you know. And he's wanting more money. He had to have more than that. That wasn't enough. And I thought, boy, if I had a $100 bill, I'd use that before I used the other guy's money, wouldn't you? I'd figure out how to. Well, you know, we're living in a generation of time to where people are, they're, they're, they're just lazy. A lot of people are lazy. And a lot of people are takers and others are givers. I don't mind giving, and if I see a man here that's hungry, I'll go and buy him some food. I'll give him my last dollar to buy. But for a man that's just not going to do anything and lazy, the Bible says if a man does not work, neither should he what? Eat. Okay. Let's get back to this. I, I knew I'd catch one rabbit if I got after it. Okay. Now then, look, where were we? Verse, uh, verse 6? Verse 6. Wilt thou not revive us again, that thy people may rejoice in thee? Look at that. Wilt thou not revive us again, that thy people may rejoice in thee? And then on verse 7. Show us thy mercy, O Lord, and grant unto us thy salvation. A manifestation of God's mercy is asked for. If we want God's mercy, we should ask for God's mercy. And two, the Bible says, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. And we should be merciful people and loving people and caring people. And you know, incidents like I just mentioned to you, uh, don't misunderstand that as not being compassionate or caring about people. But you know, everyone has responsibilities. Everyone has responsibilities. All right, now then, look. The benefits of salvation are asked for. It says that thy people may rejo- uh, uh, and grant unto us thy salvation. Look at verse 8 now. Verse 8. An answer to prayer. There's three things here. An answer to prayer is expected. Faith is expressed. And then the foolishness of sin. All three of these things in verse 8. I will hear what God the Lord will speak. He knew that his prayer was going to be answered. He said, I'm ready to hear. I've already asked him for these things. Now I'm ready to hear what he says. Do you expect an answer to your prayer? The Bible says, if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And we know that if he hear us, we have the petition that we desire to be. But if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. A lot of times we ask amiss that we may consume it upon our own lust, as James says. And if we ask amiss, we're not going to get it. It says, let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For that man shall not receive anything of the Lord. He's like a wave tossed uh, by the wind in the sea. And he's not going to... A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Let him ask in faith, James says. 
But look here. So he believed and the answer to prayer was expected. I will hear what God the Lord will speak. Now look. For he will speak peace unto his people and to his saints. He will speak peace unto his people and to his saints. Look at that. Faith is expressed. He will speak peace. When Jim was singing tonight, he said he spoke peace to the waters. Remember in the song? And I grabbed my pen and I thought, that's where that goes. He will speak peace. See, God speaks peace. Someone says, well, you know, when he says, here's peace, he gives it to you. Peace comes by his word. His word gives us peace. He says, I will speak peace, for God will speak peace unto his people and to his saints. But let them, now here's the warning, but let them not turn again to folly, the foolishness of sin, turning again to folly. Second Peter chapter 2, verse 22 says, It's happened to them according to the true proverb, that a sow has turned, a dog has turned to his vomit again, and a sow that was washed to her wallowing in the mire. People that turn back to sin. When once they've heard and known the way of righteousness, they've turned away from it. They've heard and known the truth, but they've turned into sin. By the way, it says, A sow has turned to her wallowing in the mire. I've heard people say, Well, that proves a man can be saved and lost. No, it doesn't. God's people are not sows and pigs. They're sheep. Sheep may get in the mud, but he's not going to like it. He won't stay there very long. But a sow, that's where they, that's their habitation. There's, there's a difference in the nature of the creature, right? The creature that wants to wallow in the mud is not the same nature as the one that wants to walk away from it. I've seen guys that step in every mud hole they come to. Workmen. Just, it, it always kind of irritated me when you can walk two feet around it and walk on the grass or on something dry. And they'll step in the mud and start tracking in on your carpets. Had a guy come into my house one time, and I'm not going to tell you what company he was with, but I'm telling you there was mud dripping from the ankles of his big old work shoes down to the bottom and started tromping in my house. I thought, man, were you raised in a barn? Man, I can't understand why people can't clean their feet when they come in the house. But anyway... They should. Now, I'm not complaining. I'm just telling you the truth. (laughs) None of you have ever had that experience, have you? Not at all. I will hear what God the Lord will speak, for He will speak peace unto His people and to His saints. But let them not turn again to folly. God's people sometimes turn again to foolishness. The Bible says the thought of sin, the, uh, the thought of foolishness is sin. Their foolishness is sin. Alright, look at verse 9. Surely His salvation is nigh them that fear Him, that glory may dwell in our land. Divine nearness. The Bible says in the book of Ephesians, we're made nigh by the blood of Christ. You want nearness of God? He has made us nigh by the blood of Christ. It says, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. It says He's made a new and living way, which He has consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, His place. A new, that's Hebrews 10, a new means ever fresh and living way. The word new, the only time that's used in the New Testament in this sense, means that this new way, new and living way, is ever fresh. It doesn't mean new as if it just happened, but just as fresh as when it did happen. Which, when Christ shed His blood, in other words, let me give it to you this way. The day that Jesus shed His blood on the cross and 
and the time when the veil in the temple ran in the midst from the top to the bottom, and the way into the holiest was made open through Christ's shed blood, the veil of the temple was ran in the midst, Every believer has access into the presence of God through the death of Christ, and it's just as new or fresh today as it was that very day when Jesus died on the cross. New and living life. And He's consecrated that way for you and I. Someone say, well, you know, it's been so long. It's been there 2,000 years. Have you ever thought, you know, ten years goes by and things out of sight, out of mind? Five years goes by or ten years? Maybe 20 years of your life goes by? It's all, a lot of it's forgotten. Maybe some memories of now and then occasionally. But see, it's kind of in the past. But 2,000 years and it's just as fresh as it was the day Jesus opened that way by His shed blood on the cross. And you can come just as boldly to the throne of grace as that, as that the Israelite could come that day and say, now that veil is moved, removed and I can come in to the presence of God through Christ's death. As the early Christians, as the New Testament Christians, you can come in just as much assured that it's done as if you were there that very day. You know the Bible's good, isn't it? It's got a lot of good stuff. Let me tell you. Look at verse uh, uh, 9. That glory made well in our land. That glory. God's glory will be manifested. Divine nearness and then glory. What kind of glory? may dwell in us. The Bible tells us to let our light so shine before men that others may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. We're to glorify God in your body and in your spirit which are God's, the Bible tells us in the Corinthians. And then I want you to notice something else. In verse 10, mercy and truth are met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. Look at that. Mercy and truth. Harmony between Christian virtues. Mercy and truth are met together. And look, righteousness and peace have kissed each other. That's made possible through Christ's death. And it's made possible to you and I through believing or by faith. I want to give you some references that point out some very wonderful things about this. I want you to look In Isaiah 32, verse 17. Isaiah 32 and verse 17. Isaiah 32. Now look at verse 17. And the work of righteousness shall be what? Peace. And the effect of righteousness, the effect of righteousness, quietness and assurance forever. The work of righteousness brings peace, doesn't it? And then the effect of it, what? Quietness and assurance forever. That's Isaiah 32 and verse 17. Now I want to give you another verse of Scripture in the book of Romans, chapter 15 and verse 13. Romans chapter 15 and verse 13. Look at this. If you have these two Scriptures together, Romans 15 verse 13, listen carefully. It says, Now uh, the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. See that? That's by faith. I told you these things were through Christ, but by what? Faith. Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace through believing, in believing that ye may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. Those are two powerful verses of Scripture. Let me give you one more. 
in the book of Hebrews 13. Hebrews 13, verse 20. Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, that great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the everlasting covenant. You see that? The resurrected Christ is that great shepherd of the sheep. The crucified Christ is that good shepherd that laid down his life for the sheep. The coming shepherd, when the chief shepherd shall appear, then shall we also, ye also appear with him in glory. Peter tells us about that. But here's the great shepherd. The great shepherd connects us with the resurrection. The good shepherd connects us with his crucifixion. And the chief shepherd connects us with his coming again. First Peter, well, I said that was all, but I'm... First Peter chapter 5, look at First Peter chapter 5. You see, when you get one reference, it ties you to something else. First Peter chapter 5, let me read verse, uh, verses 1 through 4. It says, The elders which are among you I exhort, who am also an elder, Peter's writing this, and the witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed, feed the flock of God. The word feed means to oversee, to rule, to guide, to lead, which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not, a, not for filthy lucre, that's not for the sake of gaining money, but of a ready mind, neither as being lords over God's heritage, not a dictator either, but being in samples, being in examples, in samples to the flock. Now look, verse 4. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Okay? The great shepherd, Hebrews 13, verse 20. The chief shepherd, 1 Peter 5, verse 4. And the good shepherd, John 10, it's all through John 10. 10th chapter of John. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And by the way, did you know that that exactly corresponds... Now listen carefully. That exactly corresponds with Psalm 22, 23, and 24. In Psalm 22, what do you have? You have it beginning, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? That's the good shepherd laying down his life for the sheep. Psalm 23, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That's the resurrected Christ. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest the table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with all my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Good place to dwell, isn't it? Good place to be tonight. It's a good place to always be. We taught on it last week how that you learn a lot. A day in thy courts is better than a thousand. It says in Psalm 84, verse 10, A day in thy courts is better than a thousand. A day in the house of God is better than a whole lot of days out of the house of God. Boy, it pays to go to church, doesn't it? It really pays to go to church. You know, it says concerning Thomas, he was not with them when Jesus came. And then the next time they met, after the resurrection, the next time they met, Thomas was there. But see, when he was not with them, it says he showed them his hands and his feet. Thomas wasn't there. But Thomas had said, unless I see his hands and his feet, I'll not believe. Well, he missed the blessing, the exact blessing that he wanted by not being present. You see, you say, I wish the Lord had an answer to my doubts and my fears and my problems. 
Well, you didn't go to find out what the answer was. That's the problem, isn't it? Isn't that amazing how the Word of God ties in so, so harmoniously together? And the person that... Thomas didn't get it. And finally he came. You know, he was there the next time. And Jesus showed him his hand and his feet. He says, Thomas, this is what you wanted to see. I've already shown it to the others. He didn't, have to say, he didn't say that. But he had. And so he says, this is what you want to see. Reach forth your finger. Put it in my place in my hand. Reach forth your hand. Thrust it in my side. And be not faithless, but believing. Why don't you believe? And Thomas said, my Lord and my God. I heard preachers say he reached forth his finger and he put it in there and he reached forth. He didn't do any such thing. Says he said, my Lord and my God. It wasn't feeling that caused him to believe. It was seeing at that time. And so Jesus says, Thomas, seeing, not feeling, but seeing thou hast believed. And he said, blessed are those that have not seen and yet have believed. We haven't seen with our natural eyes, have we? But we believe because we see it with our faith. And we know that it happened, and it happened for us. Okay? Mercy and truth. Back in Psalm 85, we're just going to have enough time. Mercy and truth are met together. Verse 10, Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. Because of Christ, this is truth. Truth shall spring, verse 11, Truth shall spring out of the, the earth, and righteousness shall look down from heaven. The windows of heaven will be opened. You know, God is able to open the windows of heaven, pour you out a blessing. He says he'll do that for those that bring their tithes into the storehouse, and he does. You show me a person that tithes, and I'll show you a person that God blesses. You say, well, they have problems just like I do, and their tire goes flat, and they have an automobile to do, tune up, and they have... Sure, but God takes care of it. Sure, we're all subject to human needs, aren't we? And you know, one thing can happen to all. But the thing about it is, when it does happen... See, the psalmist said, Deliver me out of, out of my troubles. Out of them. It doesn't mean from them, but out of them. And so, sometimes He saves us from troubles, but other times He takes us out of the troubles that we come into. The Bible says, Job says, I believe it's Job 14, verse 1, Then man is born of woman is of a few days, and they are what? Full of trouble. If you don't believe, believe that, just, just kind of look around in your life and see but they're not full of trouble. But out of those troubles, God is going to uh, bring deliverance. Now then, uh, verse 12 and 13, and we'll close. It says in verse 12, Yea, the Lord shall give that which is good, and our land shall yield her increase. God is going to give you goodness. He gives blessings. And the land yields increase. And it all is from God. And then verse 13, Righteousness shall go before Him. Divine leadership. Righteousness shall go before him and shall set us in the way of his steps. The psalmist uh, shows us the, another result of, of revival is divine leadership. The Bible says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Divine leadership we all need. The Bible says, This is the way, walk ye in it. Isaiah 30, verse 21. God says, Here's a way, I'll show you the way. The Bible says, Order my steps in thy word. And let not any iniquity have dominion over me. Order what? My steps. The psalmist didn't say, order my whole life in one big giant step. You don't, you don't go through life in a giant step, do you? You go through life by steps. Each step and each day, you take certain steps. And it says, order my steps, but how? In thy word, find your direction right here. And then it says, and let not any, let not some iniquity have a dominion over me. No, let not any iniquity have 